Uh, you can pull your notes out for today's message if you would like to do so. Um, before I, I share this morning, I just want to let you know, uh, they're not in the service, to, at, well, today at this service. They were in the first service, but they're, they're discipling our teenagers right now, and so they're out in the Life Center. But um, we just learned this week that Pastor Eric and Melissa are new youth pastors. They've been with us, well, about 11 months now. Uh, they just found out that she's going to have their first child in June, and so we're very excited for them, and we congratulate Eric and Melissa for this wonderful news, and they're already helping us to grow the church in 2016. Hallelujah, you know. More of you ladies need to get with it. You know, how many of you will make a visual promise to me that you will... I don't see too many hands yet. I think we're getting kind of thin there. But anyway, yeah, we do congratulate them. And then I want to let you know, it wasn't in the announcements, but the, every year we do a, a, a Christmas Eve communion service, and we're going to be doing that again this year. And it'll be right here in the auditorium from 5 o'clock till 6 o'clock. Okay, so keep that in mind. Most of you don't work all day on Christmas Eve, and so we, we've been able to do that very successfully through the years. That gets you out of here in time to still have your Christmas Eve dinner or, or go see the lights or whatever ever it is that you do that's special on Christmas Eve. And so that will be here at uh, Life Church at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And we really encourage you to come. It's a great way to set the tone for what is you know, ultimately a spiritual event, which is the celebration of the birth of Christ. It's not about the presence of the tree or the decorations. It's about Jesus. And I think it's a, a great way for us to officially start the Christmas uh, uh, celebration. So that's at five o'clock on Thursday this, this year, this week uh, on Christmas Eve. Well, we have all these plans in place. And, you know, I, prob I was thinking to myself, what do you do when things don't go as you have planned them? There's, there's probably not another time of the year that we um, do more planning for things than at the Christmas season. There, we, we make all kinds of plans as people. We plan dinners, my favorite. We plan gift buying, my least favorite. I hate to go shopping. I'm not a shopping guy, unless it's good stuff. Now, I don't mind shopping for good stuff like electronic equipment, you know, or uh, outdoors kind of stuff. Now, that's worth going for. But the stuff my wife wants to go buy, it's just, you know, three minutes into the store, my feet are hurting so bad I can't hardly go any. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You just, you're like, oh, come on, make a decision. Let's move. <laughs> you know? But for her, it's not the buying of it. It's the process of uh, shopping is not, to me, shopping is a purchase. It, it's you go up, you shop, you buy, you get out. But for her, shopping is an experience. It's an event. It, and, and so it's because she, I never allow her to do it, I guess. I don't know. But no, it's an event for her and she spends time and she loves it. And so we, we, but we plan all that kind of thing. I was thinking about last Monday, we were planning on, going over to Southtown Mall uh, because there was something over there, the store over there that she wanted to get a, a gift card for one of our grandchildren. She says to me last Sunday, last week, she says, tomorrow we will drive over to Southtown Mall. At, at, we always have breakfast together on, on Monday because it's my day off. And after breakfast, we'll go over and we'll get this card at Southtown Mall. So that'll be fine. Well, then we had that huge snowstorm on 
I guess, well, I don't know when it started, Sunday night or whatever, but Monday, you know, got out of Bangor and man, the traffic is like, oh my word, we're never, we, we made it to a different restaurant and I thought by the time we get done eating, the, the traffic will subside enough and, and it did kind of subside a little bit and so we decided to head on over and we're going down like, I think it was 114th heading east and all of a sudden, as far as I could see, just solid traffic, you know. And I just said to her, we're going to have to go another day. This isn't going to work. You're going to have to do it a, a different day. Well, our whole week was just so busy, we didn't have a chance to get back over there during the day. And, and so she said to me, you know, let's go this Monday, meaning tomorrow, when the weather's really good. And so I get up this morning and there's all these snowflakes flying and I, I look at the weather report and it says it's supposed to do it all week. So I don't know if we'll make it tomorrow either, you know, but you have plans and plans don't always succeed, right? And we have plans for dinners and we have plans for uh, family getting together and all of those things that are a part of the Christmas season. And I think to myself, no wonder we're so frazzled by the end of the season. We're so tired by the end of the season. But sometimes, no matter how well you plan, like our last Monday, things just don't go as you plan. They just don't go right. Um, the turkey burns, you know, you're gonna have people over and you burnt the turkey, the gift doesn't fit. Sickness or weather ruins the long trip that you were going to take or the program flops and nothing works. It kind of reminds me of this true story that I read and I'm gonna read it to you. This is a true story. I read it on the internet, so I know it's true. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't there. All right, but this is actually a true story. This young couple, they bought a brand new Jeep Cherokee for Christmas. And this is, I don't know, last year or a few years ago, whenever. So they buy this brand new Cherokee for Christmas, and they drove it to visit some relatives up in Michigan. Well, the guys decide that they're going to go duck hunting, so they loaded up the Cherokee with decoys, food, guns, uh, warm clothes, and they headed off for the lake to do duck hunting. And since the lake was, it's Michigan and it's cold and the lake is really frozen, they decided to drive out onto the ice. And they, they, they prepared to use a stick of dynamite to break a hole in the ice for the, for the decoys that they're going to deploy, okay? So one of the guys lights the stick of dynamite and he threw it as far as he possibly could in order to blow a hole in the ice, which of course is terribly illegal, but they did this anyway, okay? When to their horror, their well-trained Labrador retriever dashed out onto the ice and just as he has always done for his owner, picked the stick up in his mouth and started to run back to the group of guys with the stick of dynamite that's, that's burning. Well, they started yelling at the dog, but that did no good. He just kept coming uh, with the stick in his mouth. So one of the guys loaded his shotgun and he shot the dog but the bird shot just wasn't enough to do much of anything to the dog. So it hurt him. It didn't hurt him much. And he, he was just confused. And so the guy shot the dog again. This time the, do the dog got scared and he ran dynamite in his mouth under the new car. <laughs> Boom. True story. The Cherokee, of course, the dog's gone. The Cherokee is now at the bottom of the lake. 
And the insurance company won't pay up because it was destroyed due to an illegal use of fire or explosives. The first payment was due December 15th. Only 59 more payments to go. Wow, sometimes things don't go as you planned. Life has a way of doing that to us. I would imagine none of us planned some of the blunders that we experienced in 2015. We just didn't see them coming. We didn't think that they were going to happen. Sometimes life throws us some real curves. I was thinking about that when I was reading some of these comments from people. One of them said, earlier this year, my wife died, and I miss her so much. This one said, my husband is at the last stages of Alzheimer's. He doesn't know one day from the other. Another one says, two months ago, my spouse chose to call it quits and left me. Our business is close to bankruptcy, said another one. Another one, two of our kids still haven't made a profession of faith. We don't know what to do. Another one said, he's drinking again. I tell him, you're wonderful when you don't drink, Daddy. And I begged him not to, but he does anyway. Another one said, I finished the work four months ago and did a good job too, but I still haven't been paid a nickel on it. That one really, I identified with it because my father was a painting contractor. And I remember how it almost drove us to bankruptcy when he was doing that because he had done the jobs in good faith and people never paid him. Or they only paid him a little bit. And that happened to him so many times. How do you handle life when it doesn't go as planned. Some people I have observed, they give up on life. Some people get angry and they start striking back at people. And some just assume that they are failures and they never try again. But I think that God has a better way for us because we're all gonna face those times that don't go as we want them to. And not just during Christmas, it's gonna happen in 2016. Your life is not going to go exactly as you think it's going to go. So what do you do? Do you give up? Do you strike back? Do you just figure you're a loser? I think that God has a better way and a better message for us. And, and I really picked it up by reflecting on the Christmas story again this year from the lives of some of the main characters, three of the main characters in the Christmas story, Joseph, Mary, and the shepherds. So first of all, let's look at Joseph and see what we can learn from his life. From Joseph, I learned when things don't go as planned to be open to a new voice. And that voice is, of course, God speaking to you. Be open to God talking to you. Because the main thing I wanna tell you is there's nothing you're gonna experience this year coming up that will be a surprise to God. I really wanna get that foundationally, fundamentally in your heart. Okay, this is what happened to Joseph, Matthew 1, 18 through 21. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was, a faithful, was, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And so 
as he's, as he's pondering what he's going to do with the curveball that's been thrown to him, as he's pondering all of this and, and how he's going to handle this incredible disappointment, God speaks to him a very important word. And so my advice to you is be open to a new word from God, to, to God speaking to you something you weren't expecting because of the situation you're finding yourself in. Because I don't think that Joseph's marriage plans were working out the way he figured they would. I doubt that he had considered the possibility that the girl that he was engaged to was going to be pregnant with another man's child just before their wedding. But that's what Joseph got. Can you imagine the trauma and the shock of that moment when Joseph learned of Mary's pregnancy. Verse number 19 says that Joseph was faithful to the law. That means that he was a righteous man. That means he was a just man. He lived by the dictates of the Jewish law, but it also means that in his relationship with Mary, he was righteous in that relationship. He treated her with respect. He treated her with honor all throughout their growing relationship. Not once had he violated that relationship or that covenant with God. But now her pregnancy makes him feel like the honor and the respect that he gave her was not returned back to him. Verse 19 says, because he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Engagement, they were only engaged, but engagement was different in Jewish culture than it is in ours. It had legal ramifications to it. And to break an engagement wasn't just a matter of giving the ring back, like it is here. To break the engagement was a matter of, it had legal, uh, there, there were legal recourse that was involved. Papers had to be signed. It, it was a law thing, is what I'm trying to tell you. So he was going to divorce her. She wasn't his wife, but she was, she was bound to him. He was bound to her. And she's now gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna break that by serving papers to her. And as bad as that seems to tell you the truth, he could have gone much further than that under Jewish law. From Jewish law, we learn that when there's been unfaithfulness like this, the offended party can take the offender outside the, the walls of the city and the neighbors can stone that individual to death. That could have happened to Mary. I think it shows the quality of his life and the depth of his love for her that he chose to do it secretly, not to stone her, but to divorce her. He could have been far more cruel with her if he would have wanted. But it was into this personal disaster in his life that he heard a new voice. It was the voice of God speaking to him into the trauma of what he was going through. And God brought the perfect option, and it wasn't stoning, and it wasn't going to be divorced. The angel told Joseph, I want you to marry the girl because what is happening to her and what is happening in her is, is a miracle of God. It is not the result of an act of sin. And verse 24 in this chapter tells us that Joseph did as he was told by the, by the uh, angel, and he took Mary to be his wife. What I am saying to you this morning is that often when things don't go as we had planned them or as we thought they would go, 
God is trying to get our attention. He's using the trauma of the moment to, to talk to us, to speak to us. Oftentimes we're more open to God speaking to us in those times than any other time in our life. It's in the trauma times, it's in the trial times that God can speak to us because we are willing to listen and he'll give us a, a maybe new direction. He'll speak a word of counsel or a word of encouragement that we'll need to hear. It's a time when God is trying to speak to us that there, there's a new way, a better way, a different way, a different direction. Different options are out there that you weren't considering, but God is going to use the trial to open your mind to it and to take you in a new direction. But this is what I've learned both in my own life and what I've seen in others. What, what hurts us so often is that when our plans fall through, we don't turn to God. We don't try to hear him speaking. Instead, we get angry. We get bitter, we get frustrated, we get disappointed. And because of that, we end up missing the very thing that God is trying to use to teach us something new, to speak to our hearts. What I'm telling you this morning is this is more than a Christmas message. It's a life message for every day of 2016 because things are not going to go in 2016 exactly as you think they're going to go. Every single one of us are going to face challenges and issues that we didn't see coming. What I'm telling you is instead of getting angry, instead of getting bitter, instead of pushing away, instead of giving up, run to God, the one who knew what was going to happen all along. He was already aware of it. Run to him and listen for his voice to speak to you through his written word and through his spirit. Second, from Mary. I learned to be open to new possibilities. Luke chapter 1, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at his saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say something, you're thinking, uh-oh, you know, what is this? What's behind this? What, what is it they're going to get to? That's kind of what happened to her. She's hearing this greeting, and she's saying, hmm, what, what does this mean? Uh-oh, what's going to happen here? And the angel said to her, verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Wow! And so Mary says to the angel, how in the world can this be since I, am not, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And then verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. If you hear nothing else today, hear that. Nothing is impossible with God. So was the first Christmas a part of Mary's planning? Was she planning on having a baby that early? No. 
Add to the emotional strain of, ha of being pregnant. I mean, women have emotional strain in pregnancy. As, and in, in Jewish culture 2,000 years ago, the emotional strain of pregnancy outside of marriage, wow, that would be huge. You add to that the physical strain now of being forced by the government to go back to your roots, to your hometown for taxation. They're living in Nazareth. They've got to go down to Bethlehem for the taxation thing. And, you know, we don't know how far that is in a lot of us. We kind of think in our minds, well, that was probably about 10 miles or something. No, it's over 100 miles, actually. And so you add the, the physical strain of being great with child, and she's riding in a limo. No, a donkey limo on a donkey limo. That's not exactly comfortable. And she's going all the way down to, to, uh, to Nazareth, or to Bethlehem, rather. It definitely wasn't the way that she planned on having her first child. But even more was the miracle of all of it. That too was kind of overwhelming. You can read that in the scriptures. Verse 34 says she asked the angel, how in the world can this be? What, 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 that, that, that's never happened before. How can it happen in me, a virgin? Have you ever been there as a person? You've been facing a trial or an and you, you come to church and you're facing some issue and, and the pastor preaches a message of great faith and hold on and have faith in everything and, and here's your trial over here and here's your faith over here and there's a mile between the two of them, you know, and you're struggling inside saying, I want to have faith, God, but how in the world can this happen? How, how in the world can anything good happen out of all of this? How in the world can anything good come out of this report? How can it be? I, I had a young couple come up to me after the first service this morning, and, and she said, said simply to me, I, thank you so much for the message. I said, why? What's going on? She said, I just learned this week, we just learned this week, that my father has stage four kidney cancer, and there's no, no good outcome of all of this. And we talked together, and, and we prayed together, and and I feel the, the depth of their trauma that they're facing right now. And I, I just said to them, I, I hope that in the midst of all of this, you can still have a joyous Christmas to the best of the ability of God to help you make that happen. Have a Merry Christmas. How can this be? How can this be? Those are questions that we all ask when when our plans change dramatically or fail altogether. It's easy to question how anything good can come out of that. Maybe you know how Mary felt. Verse 29 says that she was greatly troubled. Greatly troubled. I've been there. God, if only things had turned out differently. If only he hadn't acted the way he acted. If only she had been more honest. If only my life would have followed my plan. All of these things traumatize us. But there your plans lie on the floor in a thousand different pieces. And everything about it cries out, impossible, impossible, impossible. If you're going to be baptized, we're not doing that yet. So please just stay in your seats. We're not there yet. And your plans, you're, you're crying out for the issue that you're dealing with. It's impossible. 
But that's when the Spirit of God will speak into your heart, much like he did to Mary's. In verse 37, God reminds Mary, nothing is impossible with God. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is that when plans fail, it simply means God has a new direction. It simply means God has a better way. It doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean it's dead. It doesn't mean there's no good out there. It simply means God's got a different direction. There are only, always possibilities because there is always God. When things don't go as planned, open your heart to God's new possibilities. The third thing I want to give to you is from the shepherds. And here we learn to be open to new joy. So Luke chapter 2 verse 20 tells us that the shepherds returned from seeing the baby and they were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard. I would imagine so. Now, I don't know too much about sheep herding. You know, I've never done that. Um, and I don't know too much about tending a flock overnight, but I can kind of in my mind imagine what it's like. Uh, the word boring comes to mind. You know, you would, you would be kind of looking out there trying to see if there's, you know, any any animals that are trying to take sheep or whatever. But other than that, which that usually doesn't happen, you know, it's, so it's kind of, a, you know, you're thinking you're going to have an uneventful night, a quiet night. The shepherds, they planned this quiet night of sheep watching, but God included a heavenly choir. You know, they're laying back on their arms just, hey, Joe, what do you think about how the Broncos are doing? You know, I don't know what they were talking about, but they're laying back there, and he says, well, at least they're not the Cowboys, you know, uh, and, and so forth, you know. So they're laying back there, you know, and so forth, and all of a sudden, the glory of God fills the head. Can you put yourself in that, in that situation, you know? Can you imagine what that would have been like? A heavenly choir just burst forth on the scene, and they're thinking they're just going to lie back and have some chit-chat and rest a little bit, but God's plan included a heavenly light show that would put Hollywood to shame. It wasn't the evening that they had planned, but it was God's way of birthing new joy into them that would change them for a lifetime. When things don't go the way you plan, can you trust God that he is working something better in your life? Can you trust him with that? The Apostle Paul tells us what to do when our plans fail. It comes out of Philippians chapter 4. Very familiar portion of scripture that most many of you will know maybe some don't but it basically says uh, rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice is how verse four goes in verse four we learn to rejoice always when we're going through crisis when things don't work out rejoice you say rejoice that my father was just diagnosed with stage four kidney cancer no of course not but rejoice that god's in charge Rejoice that he has given his heart to Christ and is a believer in Jesus Christ and a follower, a disciple of the Lord. And therefore, if his life ends on this planet, which all of us will one day, newsflash, all of us are going to die. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You're all going to die, you know. Well, we are. We're all going to die someday. One of these days, we're going to breathe our last. I think I once heard that like 7,000 people in the United States woke up today for the last time. 7,000 people every day die in the United States. Something like 2 million people every year die in the United States. Well, some of that's accidents, some of it's disease, some of it's just old age. And 
And you know, we, we face these times, these trauma times in our lives, and how do we respond to them? Do we say, you know, God's not fair? God didn't bring the cancer into that man's body. A cursed world that we live in brought the cancer. God is able to heal that, certainly, but whether he heals it and adds 10 more years or 15 more years to the man's life or takes him to heaven and gives him a permanent healing, you know, well, it, it doesn't matter, you know. It's all to the glory of God. And, and we trust God with these. So we can rejoice, amen? We can rejoice when it doesn't go the way we want. Now, the second part there, I, I kind of had to think about a little bit in verse 5, show gentleness. What does gentleness have to do with this? Well, gentleness on the outside means that you are at peace on the inside. It means that you're not uptight. And so when somebody treats you terrible, you know, and your first reaction is, oh, man, I'm going to get them back. If you will turn that anger, that bitterness, whatever it might be, over to God, and let him have it. You say, well, if I do that, he's get, he gets away with it. She gets away with it. No, they don't. God's in charge. He'll deal with them. He'll deal with them when you can't. You know? When they're asleep at night, he's giving them dreams. You know? That they're not going to get away with anything. He's going to deal with them to try to bring them to repentance. And, and if they won't repent, then he'll really deal with them. Take them to the woodshed. I was taking, how many of you have ever been taken to the woodshed by your dad? I was taken to the woodshed by my dad. How many of you should have been taken to the woodshed by your dad? I probably so. Well, you know, as bad as that was, I definitely wouldn't want to be taken to the woodshed by God. We don't, nobody gets away with anything. When we turn it over to him, we trust him with the outcome. And so we can be gentle on the outside instead of filled with anger, instead of filled with bitterness and so forth. Then uh, number three, verse six, pray about everything. That's, you understand that? Number four from verse six, thank God. It kind of goes along with, verse, with number one from verse four. We thank God because thanksgiving releases the power of God in your life. If you've never been told that, having a thankful heart in the midst of a crisis will release God's miracle power into your life. If you get bitter and angry, that'll become like a barrier between you and God, all right? And then number five, verse seven, let God's peace guard your mind. And so if you do the other four things, the peace of God kind of sets up like a, like a wall around you, guarding you. See, see what it says there? The peace of God will guard your mind. It guards you from all the stuff that the enemy wants to throw at you that are not God's will. So when things don't go as planned, start looking for the new joy coming your way. Well, Christmas is a season that reminds us that even when our plans are undone, God is not. It was on December the 23rd, 1818, that an Austrian pastor, Joseph Moore, was invited to a Christmas play in his little town. He was so touched by the performance that he climbed a small hill just outside of town to let the beauty of the night, the night sky speak to him. And it was then that he wrote down his thoughts about that first Christmas night. His words were set to music by church organist Hans Gruber, intending to use them for the Christmas service that week at church. But at the service, 
The church organ broke down, forcing Gruber to strum the song on a guitar instead. Their plans fell through, but that night, Chris, this Christmas classic was born, one that you all know very well. And it's been years since I've played a guitar, but I'm going to try and do it this morning. So I'm going to ask you to stand and uh, to sing with me. And I thank Stephen for letting me use his guitar, and I hope I don't break it. But you will know the song very well. And the, the uh, words are up there for you. Would you sing with me? Silent night, holy night, all is gone. but my fingers are screaming at, at me. They hurt so bad. Those of you that play guitar know what I'm talking about. You have to work up calluses on the end of your fingers. And I haven't played in so many years that I don't have any calluses right now. And so my, after the first service and now this service, it's like saying, please stop, please stop. You know, so I'm going to stop anyway. I hope that you have a very blessed Christmas with the presence of the Lord in the center of your life. But he won't be in the center of your family and your celebration if he's not in the center of you. I'm just ask you to bow your heads real quickly and if you would like to receive Christ as your savior and take him into 2016 with you. You're, you're not a Christian right now. You've, you've, maybe you were at one time and you've walked away or maybe you just never have been. But today you want to get things right between you and God. I would be so honored to pray with you at this moment, closing our service. If you would like for me to pray with you, would you just raise your hand? You want to give your heart to Jesus. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you, man. Up in the balcony, God's speaking a bunch of hands there. Amen. God sees every one of you and he knows every detail of your lives. 
Isn't it amazing that God knows every detail of our life and yet he still chooses to love us, to save us, to take us to heaven, to forgive us, take away the guilt, take away the pain. Whatever it is you've done that produces guilt in your heart, I just want you to know that we're fixing to pray and God's gonna push the delete button and it's never gonna be remembered against you again, ever. So our Father, we just bring our lives to you today and we just so long for the silent night and holy night of your presence to fill our lives, even in the daytime. And so we bring our hearts to you this morning and we ask you, O Lord, to forgive us of our sins and to make us new men and women who are commissioned by God to live a new life with your presence at the center. Would you all repeat this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my past. I give you my future. I take you as my savior. Forgive me of my sin and give me the power through the Holy Spirit to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Here at Life Church, we pray that you have a blessed week. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always go to lifechurchutah.com.